Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Incident that happened now with the Las Vegas shooting, where a guy snuck in a hotel in Las Vegas, 12 rifles. That just blows my mind away how nobody caught that. And he was just able to sneak all those guns in and just go crazy, just shooting at people in a concert. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. It reads, But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you read um, the book of Peter, Peter uses two words mostly all the time, interchangeably, calling and called. And basically he's speaking about believers that are the called out ones, called to a life of holiness called to be separate from sin and to be separated from the world. God is calling us to be holy as he is holy. It is a holy calling according to God's eternal purpose. I remember when I first got saved, I got saved watching Christian television, and I gave my heart to the Lord. And it was a process that God had to take me through to really understand that I've been called by God, that I've really been genuinely saved by God. I remember one weekend, my friends calling me, hey, let's go out to go hang out. Let's go to the beach and just hang out on the beach and see what happens. And I was just recently saved. I had no knowledge of the word of God or what even it means to be saved. So I would go out on the weekends with my friends like normal. I didn't act any different from what the things they did. I didn't act any different than they. And we were hanging out on the beach. You know, we were looking at girls. Wow, that girl's pretty. We were drinking. And then we would go to clubs, get home during the morning hours, wake up, go to work all that week, hungover, feeling horrible inside your body. To do it all over again on the weekend. It's like, you know, I didn't learn my lesson, you know? That's just human nature. You don't learn your lesson. And I noticed that something started happening as I continued in that pattern, in that cycle. I noticed something started happening. The next day I would wake up and I'll kind of feel this sadness inside my heart. I'll feel uncomfortable. And I kind of knew what it was. I'm like, is this God trying to talk to me? 
I, f I really felt like I was going a little bit crazy. I'm like, am I going crazy? Because I'll feel something inside of me. And now I understand what it was. It was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to my heart. It was the Holy Spirit telling me that it saddens him when I live this kind of lifestyle, when I do this kind of behavior. And now is when I understand this, that God was, God had called me to salvation and God had separated me. God was trying to separate me from the lift, uh, sinful lifestyle of the past, of old habits and bad patterns and bad habits that I developed during my teenage years because as a teenager, I've been exposed to a lot of stuff. I lived in Little Havana, it was 14th Avenue and 3rd Street Southwest. And there used to be this gang, this motorcycle gang there called the Terminators. And I looked up to those people because they lived right across my apartment and they would hang out in this um, store, right? This supermarket that was a house and they painted like a bright yellow color. And that just stayed in my mind, that stayed in my conscious, that imagery. And I would actually look up to these people because they will do bad things. They'll shoot people. They'll be outside there smoking weed. You smell the weed when you pass by. And as a young adult, I mean, as a young kid, uh, I'll go in the store and I'll see all these things and I thought it was cool. I thought that's what uh, adults do because I didn't have a pattern in my house. No, nobody in my family is a Christian at the time. My father just recently came to the Lord. He's now uh, in Cuba on vacation. But at that time, I didn't have a pattern. I didn't know anything about Christianity or what it was to become a Christian or to be a Christian. So I would see them and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I want to be like them. And I would even try to imitate them, not shooting people or anything like that, but I'll see them drinking. So I'll go to clubs with my friends on the weekends. I'll drink socially. And then on Sunday, I'll be in church praising the Lord with my hands up, you know, thinking it's all good, but feeling horrible inside because I know God was dealing with me. God was separating me. God was sanctifying me to a life that I've never lived before or didn't even know about. And it's a call to be separate from the world. It's a call to be separated from sin. My first point is the holiness of God. See, in order for you to allow God to work in your life, you got to realize that our God is a holy God. The Bible talks about God's holiness. God is holy. God's character is holy. As a matter of fact, God uses the word holy three times to describe how holy God really is. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. The angels in heaven cry out to one another, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord. And this reference is found in Isaiah 6.3. We're not going to go to it, but when you get a chance, I want you guys to read it. And there's nowhere in the Bible, I have never read nowhere in the Bible, where it says God is love, love, love. I have never read in the Bible where it says God is mercy, mercy, mercy. But there's plenty of scriptures in the Old Testament and in Revelation that says that God is holy, holy, holy. And I want you guys to say that with me. At the count of three, I want you guys to repeat that. Ready? One, two, three. God is holy, holy, holy. Three times holy. 
And I was thinking and meditating upon the holiness of God, and I'm like, wow, Lord, you're super holy. You're like beyond holy. How can I like illustrate this in a visual to show your holiness? And I thought about a bottle of water. And that's the idea that I felt the Holy Spirit gave me. I'm like, yeah, Holy Spirit, but that's like falls super short of your holiness. It doesn't even do justice of how holy you really are. Because think about it, if creatures, angels that God has created to cover their eyes, to cover their bodies, and to and with two hands they cover their feet and they cry out, holy, 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 holy. The holiness of God is something that we can even imagine. And these are angels that are not sinners, but they're creatures. They're created by God. And they can't even look upon the holiness of God. His created angels can even handle how holy God is. And that's why I brought this water bottle. It's not for me to drink it. I took off the label so you can see it, how transparent it is. But if you notice this water bottle, right? Let's say this represents the holiness of God, which doesn't do justice. If you notice this water, you see that it's clear. It is transparent. This is pure water, purified water. There's no mixture in it. It is pure water. It is clean. And that's how I see the holiness of God. It is pure. It is clean. God is separate from sin. He cannot look upon sin in his holiness. The holiness of God is summed up in all his infinite perfections and the beauty of his holiness. The Bible says that God's way and God's word is perfect. And we could read that in Psalm 19.7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. God's word is consistent with his character. Now, if God's word is perfect, that means that God is a perfect being because it came from God. The word came from him. And if God's word is perfect, if God's word is holy, we could trust the word of God. We don't need to compromise God's truth or God's word to accommodate people or to make people feel good. To tell the truth, when I first started evangelizing and learning how to evangelize, I would speak to people about the love of God, and I believe we should speak to people about the love of God. But also you need to help people realize that God is holy, and they need to realize their sinfulness because if they don't realize they're sinners in the eyes of God, how are they going to repent? How the Holy Spirit is going to put the fear of God in their hearts if they think they're a good person? Because the number one answer when you go and preach to somebody and you preach the gospel to them is that, what, I'm a good person. Everybody thinks they're a good person because they compare themselves like this, human to human. But if you compare yourself to God, you'll realize soon that you're a sinner. This happened to Isaiah, the prophet, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. He saw the holiness of God. And his reaction to the holiness of God is not, Woo, praise the Lord, I saw God. No, he said, I am undone. I am finished. I am a man on unclean lips. That's his reaction according to the holiness of God. 
and God can look upon sin favorably. That's in Habakkuk 1.13. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, Pursue peace with all people, and what? Holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. It's as if God is saying, without holiness, you can't see me, or you can't know me. Our God is a holy God. That brings me to my second point. The holiness of God in Jesus Christ. Now, knowing that God is a holy God, and he can look favorably upon sin, and he has to judge sin, God in his infinite holy perfection is also a God of mercy and love. Because God is so holy, he is also merciful and loving God. So how does a sinner approach God? Humanly speaking, we can't. There is nothing in ourselves that we could do for ourselves to approach a holy God. That's why God had to send his son Jesus to this earth and die on the cross for our sins. And that's why in John chapter 1, it says the word became flesh. In Christ, the holiness of God appeared in a human life, which was the life of Jesus. Jesus displayed the holiness of God in life and in conduct. To be holy is to be Christ-like. John the Baptist said about Jesus when Jesus was coming to get baptized, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Talking about his, how perfect he is. Because the Jewish people in the Old Testament, when they were to sacrifice a lamb for their sins, the lamb had to be perfect, without spot or without blemish, or God would not accept it. And John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, perfect, without spot, blameless before God. Pilate and the Pharisees, when they tried to accuse Jesus, said, I find no fault in this man. Jesus is the holiness of God. And Pilate examined Jesus thoroughly, asked him a whole bunch of questions, and Jesus didn't even answer. The Pharisees accused him, beat him, spit on him, and he did not retaliate. The Bible says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, straight to the cross, and he didn't say one word, or he didn't rebel against God's will. And most importantly, what did God, the Father, say about his son? When Jesus came out of the waters of baptism, John writes, and I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God's holy wrath was pleased in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And he took on the wrath of God in our stead, in our place. Can you imagine that? That the father seeing the son on the cross and because he loves us in his infinite perfection he loves us and he wants to redeem the sinner he says i'm willing to turn my back 
are my holy son who has done no wrong, who is perfect, and who I am well pleased. So when Jesus was there on the cross taking on our sins, God turned his back on Jesus, and then Jesus cried out, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Because he loved you and me in his holy perfection, in his holiness, that's how much God loved us, that he's willing to turn his back on his son, perfect, that never has done no wrong, that doesn't deserve punishment or judgment, but he was willing to do that because in his holiness, he loves you. And he doesn't want to judge you and bring wrath upon you. Point number three, we are called to holiness. To be holy is to be God-like. To have a disposition, a will, a character like God's. You are called by God to holiness. The blood of Jesus makes you holy before God. The blood of Jesus separates us from sin continually. The word says that if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have continued fellowship with his son, and the blood of Jesus continues cleansing you moment by moment, step by step in your walk with the Lord. The blood of Jesus separates us from sin and sets us apart unto purity. First John, First John 3, 3 says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Nowhere in the Bible, I never read nowhere in the Bible where it says to give up and to continue to live in sin because you'll never be perfect. There's more scriptures in the Bible that talks about confessing your sin, receiving grace, and to reach towards the call of God, salvation in your life. Because there's this mentality out there that, oh, since I'm not going to be perfect, I'm just going to continue in my sin, and God's a God of grace. And yes, God is a God of grace, but you're using the grace of God as a license to sin. Because you have the presence of God in you, and where the presence of God is, he sanctifies He sanctifies it. Wherever the presence of God is, he sanctifies it. If you read in Genesis that the days of creation, day one through six, he created a whole bunch of things, the earth, animals, the ocean. We all know the story. But there's something interesting. It says on the seventh day, God rested and he sanctified that day because wherever the presence of God dwells and comes, it sanctifies the area. The same thing happened to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses saw this burning bush, he freaked out. And he's like, wow, what is this? And then as he was approaching the presence of God, because he didn't know it was the presence of God, he was just curious what it was. As he was approaching the presence of God, God said, Moses, do not come any near, because the ground where you're standing on is holy ground, because the presence of God was there, and he sanctified everything in the area. And now if the presence of God is in you through the sacrifice of Jesus, right, the Holy Spirit is in you, what do you think God is doing in our lives day in 
and day out, a work of sanctification. How many of you have had ideas and plans, let's say, to do something, something that just popped up in your heart, and you go, you're like, oh, I'm going to go do this, and you go to do it, and you're in the process of doing it, and then all of a sudden you just kind of feel something that's telling you, no, I don't, I don't want you to do that, or don't go that way. You kind of like feel this wrestle, right, this wrestling inside of you, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, that inner witness of no, not now. That's, that's the Holy Spirit doing the work of sanctification, making you holy. And maybe the thing that you're doing is not a sin. Maybe it's a good idea and it seems something good. But do we have the disposition in our heart, even though what we're planning to go do, to be flexible and tell God, I'm obey you, God. I don't understand, but I'm just going to obey you. I don't know why, but I'm just going to obey you. I'm not going to argue with God. And sometimes God does things like that to see what's in your heart, to see if you fear him. Because like I said, maybe it's not something sinful. And you know, we have these arguments with God. Like God is nothing bad. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Why? You know, it happens to all of us. It happens to me a lot. But what God has taught me, do we have that disposition to obey God because we fear God and because we have a sense of his holiness? Because the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. You know, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing in your life. And sometimes we have this struggle inside of us. Sometimes we battle and we argue with God, but we don't understand why. And God doesn't want you to understand. God is just looking for you to fear him, and for you to recognize his holiness. And the more you obey that inner witness and the more you fear God and the more you reverence God and the more you contemplate on his holiness, the more revelation God will give you of who he is. And the closer you get to God, the more you'll sense his holiness. You know, there have been times in my life where I've been praying and I sense like a special presence of God. It's because the week before, God has been dealing with me, telling me, don't do this, don't speak to your wife like that, don't get angry with your children and react like this. And I'm like, okay, Lord, and I apply it. Next time, you know, those trials come around that you battle with in your head, and I apply it. And then when I go into a prayer, I feel this liberation. I feel this nearness to God because God's spirit is inside my heart, and he's sanctifying me, and he's drawing me closer and closer to him, and closer to him, and he's helping me become more like Jesus every single day, and every decision that I take of obedience, of whatever he tells me, no matter what it is, whether I think it's good, whether I think it's great, whatever it is, all God wants you to do is just to obey him. He wants to see that in your heart you have the fear of God, and when you have the fear of God, then you understand the holiness of God because the holiness of God and the fear of God go hand in hand because you can't fear God if you don't understand how holy God really is. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And that's what I was just talking about. I was giving an example of that internal battle that we have with the spirit of god 
You know, our flesh wants to do one thing, but the spirit is doing a sanctifying work. And those two are always at war with each other. Romans 8 says, you know, so we don't do the things that we want to do. You know, we have to yield to the spirit, you know. We have to let the spirit win, you know. And holiness is something that we need to be accountable in the area of holiness in our lives. If you feel that you can't do it on your own, that's why you have all these Christian brothers and sisters here at church. That's why you have the church, for you to be accountable to somebody. If you're a person that late at night watches TV into the morning hours, and all of a sudden the flesh starts rising and you start watching things that you shouldn't watch, things that affect your spirit, because this is how things affect us internally through the five senses, through what you see, through what you hear, right? And even through the things that come out of your mouth. We gotta be very careful what we're speaking to one another and what you're saying and the content of it because you could contaminate somebody's spirit. You could be a stumbling block to somebody. So this, this thing called holiness, you need accountability. Not only to God, but to others as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm accountable to my wife. There's this incident that happened at work one time. There was a co-worker, remember? There was this co-worker that we got out of work, and this co-worker came up to me. She was a girl. And she told me, no, I need a ride. The battery on my car is dead. My kids are at home. And she lives like a block away from us, like in some apartments there. And she's like, oh, can you give me a ride? And I say, yeah, I'll give you a ride. And I wasn't really thinking. I was just, she got me off guard, really. I wasn't really thinking. I was tired. I wanted to go home. And then I called my wife at the minute. I'm like, babe, this is what's going on. There's this co-worker of mine. She needs a ride. Uh, her car battery is dead. Her kids are at home, and she's hysterical. And I already told her, yeah, that I'll take her home. She lives right by our house. And then my wife's like, go ahead and do it. You already told her, yeah, what are you going to do? Then when I hung up the phone, I felt so, so horrible. I learned such a good lesson. And whatever, I gave her a ride. I called my wife. I told her, oh, I already dropped her off. I went home, and then I saw the look on my wife's face, and I knew that I was in for it. <laughs> and me and my wife talked about it, and she's like, I know your intentions weren't bad. You, you wanted to give her a ride home. I understand that, and I know that you're a man of God. But what about if she didn't have good intentions or right intentions towards you? What about if she in the car would have made a move on you or something? You both are alone. You're both the opposite sex, you know, because there's physical attraction, you know. We got to be real, you know. That's normal. God put that in you so you could get married one day, that physical attraction you feel towards the opposite sex. And you know what? I told my wife, I'm sorry, forgive me, for not considering you. And I told my wife that you'll never find me in a car with the opposite sex alone. Next time somebody asks for a ride, call my wife. <laughs> yeah, she'll give you a ride. And I learned a lesson because I was really naive and I wasn't really thinking about what I was doing. I was just in a rush. And I wasn't really thinking about her feelings. I wasn't even considering her. Or I wasn't even considering that marriage is a holy covenant before God. And we need to fight for our marriage, and we need to protect our marriage, and we need to have boundaries in our marriage. So I told my wife, 
I'm going to have those boundaries because I want her to feel safe. I want her to have peace. And because I love her and I love God. You know, my intentions were not to try anything with her, but like I said, I didn't know what her intentions were. So when it comes to holiness, we have to set boundaries in our lives. You know what are your limits. You know what are your weaknesses. You know what are your temptations. What you struggle with, I don't struggle with. You know, maybe what you struggle with for me is easy. You know, I don't even flinch. But it's not about that. It's about being accountable to God and being accountable to others. I have a testimony about the business that I, about the truck that I bought. The, the salesperson, the dealer, he calls me. And he tells me, look, to buy the truck, you have to tell your company, right? You have to tell the finance company that you have a truck in that company, which we didn't, and that you've been hauling for three years already in that company with your own truck. And he told me that, and I'm like, I'll, I'll call you back. And I just hung up on him, and I was like, I'll call you back. I'm at lunch. So then I called my wife, and I said, babe, this is what they're telling us. They want us to lie and say that, you know, we had a truck there three years, and we've been hauling three years with a truck already in order to get the financing of the truck. And I told my wife, we're men and women of God, and we stand for integrity and in truth. And if we're leaders and we compromise in this little thing, you know, what kind of example are we setting? You know, and the church wasn't there looking at me or hearing the conversation, but I fear God. And I know God was listening to me. And I told the guy, I called the guy back and I told him, hey, listen, find another finance company because I'm not going to do that. And he's like, okay, well, I'll see what I'm going to do. I'm like, all right, do what you have to do, but I can't lie. So then I hung up. And then I thought, well, my dream is over, which it was over at that moment, to buy the truck and to start the company. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to stand firm in what I believe, no matter if it costs me my dream. The following day, I text the sales dealer, and he tells me, I found a company that will finance you guys. And I'm like, God, you're so awesome. <laughs> you know, I was so happy. I'm like, yes, because we stood up for God, and because I have the fear of God, and because I know that God is holy and he does not like lies, and anything that you start on a lie is not going to end up good. And I was willing to sacrifice my dream to please God and not to say a little white lie. Yeah. Because the people in my job, they're not Christian. And all I had to do was tell the lady in charge, hey, I need for you to write me this letter. And she would have done it for me. But I'm a man of integrity and I fear God. And I know my God is a holy God. And God gave me the victory Amen. because I stood up for the truth and I stood up for God. So we have to develop this God conscious in everything that we do. We've got to be conscious of God when it comes to holiness. And the more God conscious you are, the more holy you'll become in the sight of God. The, more the, the easier it will be for the Holy Spirit to work in your life and produce that sanctification process. But if you resist the Holy Spirit and you don't want to work with the Holy Spirit and partner with the Holy Spirit... And the little things that he tells you in, in your life cost you whatever it costs you. 
it's worth surrendering because you're going to feel the presence and the power of God in such a way that you never have felt before. The holiness of God affects every area of our lives, our speech, conduct, and manner of life. Where the presence of God is, God sanctifies it. Now, God brings trials into your life and hardship and setbacks to purify you, not to destroy you or not to make you miserable or not to set you back because the sole purpose of God in your life is to make you holy as he is holy, is to sanctify you, is to work in your life what is pleasing to him. And the faster you surrender, the more victorious your Christian life will be. But if you resist the sanctifying, sanctifying working of God, if you resist being holy like God is holy, you're going to live a, a miserable Christian life. Your Christian life is going to be hard, and you're not going to see things in the light that God sees things. And 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See, God wants to prepare you for every good work, but first, you need to be sanctified by God. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The holiness of God is not an abstract concept that we should take lightly. You need to know what God has called you to, to be holy as God is holy. Without God imparting his holiness to you, you cannot know God, nor can you see God one day. The call to holiness is this. Number one, God is holy. You be holy as God is holy. You are holy in Christ. Where the presence of God is, he sanctifies it. You have the holy presence of God living inside your heart. Amen? Let's stand up.